Hey, welcome to the Push Pull Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Marcello. And I'm Sherry. And each episode will provide you with sales and marketing strategies that you can implement immediately into your own business. Today, I am speaking with Kristen Shivago. She is the president and founder of Shivago Partners, a digital marketing management company. She speaks worldwide about the customer's buying process and is the author of Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy. Kristen's specialty is being able to map out the customer's buying journey and recognize the role that the internet plays in the buying process. I'm excited to dive into this topic further with you, Kristen, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Uh Uh-huh. So that's a quick bio, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, like your background? How did you end up here? Uh, well, I've been selling and marketing, um, mostly tech products, golly, since I got out of high school, um, worked my way through college, um, selling and singing, um, back in those days anyway. Oh, cool. Um, what type of music? Oh, well, back in those days, it was like folk singing and that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you still sing? No, I don't. I actually got a degree in music, which didn't do me a darn bit of good. <laughs> hey, well, you still ended up in a pretty good place. Yeah, I just looked around. There weren't any teaching jobs by the time I got out, which is what I wanted to do. And um, I, I had been marketing and selling for a long time anyway, so I just decided to stick with it. Yeah. Um, but I also I had a whole family that was in show business, and it's a very narcissistic environment. Yeah. Um, and I, I just felt like I could help more people doing sales, um, helping people sell. I also got very attracted to, um, because I was in tech for so long, uh, I really started feeling sorry for engineers who were great product developers, but just couldn't market their way out of a wet paper bag. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, they were good people who took care of their customers. And and, uh, I really started saying, wait a minute, they they really need help. And so I've I've spent a lot, I still, to this day, I'm um, very much attracted to helping tech guys and gals um, get their products out into the world. I think that's an interesting point and something I, I'm glad you found that niche because I agree with you. These are s- brilliant people, some of the nicest people you will meet, but mm-hmm. sometime, you know, they know their product inside and out, but they might not know their customer inside and out. And they, they may struggle with, with that piece of things, which it sounds like you, you found a very great niche there where you're able to help them, <laughs> them connect and also help their customers. Um, there was I was looking through some of the reviews for your book, and um, you know, someone made the point that uh, that a lot of times sellers aren't or buyers aren't able to find what they're looking for. That mm-hmm. there is a product out there that would be a great match mm-hmm. for them, but yeah, but it's not always showing up when they're looking for it, or they're finding it and it's not communicated the right way. That there there's a missing piece there. Yeah, that's really common. And and what I found over the years is that the developers of a product get really excited about a particular aspect of the product because it was so difficult of right. a problem to solve. And so that's the thing they tend to talk about 
And in all of my work, I always interview their customers um, before we actually set to work. Mm -hmm. And what I found over literally thousands and thousands of interviews was that the customer would say, oh, yeah, everybody does that. And it's interesting they've done it so elegantly, but that's not why I bought the product. I bought the product because of this. Right. And that's the thing that will attract other customers and isn't even discussed on the website or in sales calls. So. Right. That's, that's one of the things we fix. Yeah, and that's something that's not just tech-specific. That's something I oh, run absolutely. into <laughs> in many industries yeah. where the industry, they know their industry so well, but we have to keep reminding them that that your customer doesn't understand why this is so important or so meaningful or so difficult. Um, they don't get it. They just want to know, how is this working for me? And um, They yeah, don't even if, care. I mean, it, right. honestly, they don't right. care. They're just like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine, that's great. But this is what I wanted, and that's what they gave me. Yeah. And the guy who developed the product, and you're right, and I've branched out beyond tech starting in 94 when the web came along. I started, you know, everything was tech after that, yeah. really. Yeah, true. Um, but that's the thing they miss is they, they don't, they're so insulated from their customers that by the time they get the product out into the market, they really don't know why people are buying. And one of the things that's true about the whole digital side of marketing now is that we now have tools that will tell us what they searched for and how they searched for it. But if you don't interview customers, you still don't know why they bought it or why they searched for it. And that's the thing that, that will attract them when you write content. It's the why that makes the connection between the product and the buyer. And that's yeah. the thing everybody misses. So how can we figure that out? What are some Well, that's what the take? interviews are for. And, and that's why I wrote the book, because I had conducted thousands and thousands of interviews. And I've worked out a method that works. Um, it, it still works to this day. It's just it's a, it's a recipe for interviewing your customers. And the good thing about it is that you only need to interview five to seven people of a given type, hmm. you know, so they have similar interests. Um like in your case for your your child site, I would interview both mothers and fathers, right. and I would interview five to seven of each. Um, and by the fifth call, you start to see, even by the third call, you start yeah. to see the trend. And people use the same phrase. They've never talked to each other, and they will say, well, this is really good because of X. Yeah. And all of them are saying the same exact words. And so you start to see the trend, and you get to the essence of the why. And it's yeah. really, it's great. And you interview people who have already bought from you because when they're buying from you, they're not going to tell you anything. They're playing poker. They're, you know, negotiating. <laughs> True. That's a, which is a why good you distinction. Can't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't rely on salespeople to tell you what customers are really thinking because none of us tell a salesperson what we're really thinking mm-hmm. while we're being sold to. But afterwards, we're happy to help the company because we've invested in them now and we want them to be successful. Um, and I found people, even the busiest, I mean, I've interviewed doctors for Johnson & Johnson, you mm-hmm. know, busy guys, right? you know, and, and they spent an hour with me explaining why they bought that knee replacement thing or why they didn't. And, 
It's just because, amazing. Because their reasons have been very well thought out, too. And, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, we're very careful with how we spend our money. And, and in the digital age, we can research things very heavily. <laughs> yeah, so I think people are very willing to say, well, I'm smart. And here's why I chose mm-hmm. this product. I did my research. I put in the time. And and they're willing to share mm-hmm. uh, their process. Yeah, um, absolutely. I... Um, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Do you so the book I will definitely link to it in the show notes and make sure that people um can refer to that because I think those those practical tangible things that that how to that roadmap that that script almost um can be so helpful because sometimes it is just phrasing the question in just the right way. Um, and I like your distinction as well, that that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily thought of that people that have bought from you already, um, not people that were maybe interested, not people <laughs> that are currently in the process, not people that bought something else, but people who have bought from you Um and like yeah, said, you can still you, you can still talk to people who have not bought if you have enough time and sure. but it is it it is not anywhere near as uh, educational. I mean, as talking to people who've already bought from you because you're really reverse engineering a successful sale so that you can make more sales. Um, right. And you know these these buyers have something in common. I should mention that the book does go into this um, interviewing process. Um, first, it basically says, look, you're the seller. You think you think like a buyer, but you don't. Right. So the first thing you have to do is start thinking like a buyer because they, as you just said, they have a very thorough buying process and they have all these tools available to them now. But the other part of the book, I actually dissect the buying process for four different types of products and services. And as I was writing the book, I started to realize that there really are just four different types of products and services based on the amount of scrutiny that the customer applies to the purchase. Okay. So there's light scrutiny, medium scrutiny, heavy scrutiny, and intense scrutiny. So light scrutiny is you see it, you buy it, it's an impulse purchase standing at the checkout counter or whatever. (laughs) You really don't have any questions. You just like, can I afford it? Can my waistline afford it? Can my pocketbook afford it? (laughs) Right. Uh, and then the second with the medium is you ask a few questions. Um, maybe you get somebody involved, probably somebody else involved, probably not. It's clothing, you know, just kind of picking just a few questions, then you buy it. Heavy is there's a contract, there's a salesperson. So in the consumer world, that's cars and houses and that type of thing. Right. Uh, and then intense is all of that, plus you get married. It's long term, it's um, very expensive. And that gets mostly into the big B2B, um, you know, business to business, uh, deep contract, long term relationship kinds of things. Yeah. So it's does that mean that you that the pro- the interview process and the build up process looks different as well as how you're marketing that product? Well, the interviewing process is pretty much the same in the sense that you okay. ask open-ended questions. That's a good question. Um, you do ask open-ended questions. Um, some of them are the things like, um, and again, these were worked out over thousands of interviews intended to work. Uh, had, what was your experience buying the product? What else did you look at? Um, you're really trying to dissect the buying process. Um, what trends do you see in your market right now? What's your biggest problem? That's how you find opportunities. 
Um, if you were the CEO of our company tomorrow, what's the first thing you would fix or focus on? That's mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you find out those things. And then on the buying process side, you really do need to map out the customer's buying process, which a lot of people have been talking about. And I was actually one of the first people to identify that there even is such a thing. Right. Um, and once you've done that, what you're doing there, and that's why I call it a roadmap. First, you're interviewing, then you're mapping this out. And in the map, you say, okay, here are the types of people who want to buy our product. And here are the questions they have. These are their doubts and their concerns and their skepticism and their history, what else they've tried, uh, the questions they have, and the answers that have satisfied them and allowed them to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so you really want to then make sure that those questions are answered. Um, so, in, and by the way, one of the biggest questions that nobody answers is what's going to happen to me after I buy. Okay. So even with medium scrutiny products like clothing, I, I want to know what's going to happen to this beautiful blouse or sweater or whatever after I've washed it True. and put it through the dryer. Yes. It feel, always feels like a gamble. <laughs> it is. And nobody answers it. Um, it's especially true of the big high scrutiny products and services, you really want to know, you know, if I say yes to you and you're going to consult to me, how is it going to work? Yeah. What's going to happen? Um, What, you know, what's the experience? Because they really are buying the experience, especially in the high scrutiny, but even in the low scrutiny products. Yeah. Um, So what, where can we answer those questions for them? Once we know what those questions were, once we know the the answers that they're seeking, Mm -hmm. are you doing that... Um, through the website, through articles, through social media, all okay. of the above. So, yeah, <laughs> well, and the answer is it depends. Right. And what it depends on is what they tell you in the interviews. So a B2B person will tell you, I'll tell you, I never look at Twitter. I never look at Facebook, but I do pay attention to LinkedIn, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um they, they will say, like a, a, a CEO of a company, if you're interviewing him or, or a manager, will say, well, the first thing I do when I go to a site is I go to the about section. I don't even mm-hmm. pay attention to the homepage. I go to the about section. And I want to know who's running this company and what their background is. Mm-hmm. That makes a big difference. I mean, if you think about it, IBM was basically transformed. I know this because I was working for them for about 12 years off and on doing a lot of content marketing. I wrote all the Um, instructions for their marketers. Um, And uh, uh, when Lou Gerstner was there and he had been a customer of IBM and he spent 40% of his time interviewing customers while he was CEO of a 300,000 person company. Okay. This was amazing. And, and I noticed it inside the company, people would start talking about the customer and you can imagine if you're in a community of 300,000 people it's really hard to to even come in contact with the customer so he really transformed them while he was there and then over time after he left I noticed that the the darkness started to (laughs) (laughs) again yeah and, and they lost it they lost the focus so it really it really matters um Anyway, so by interviewing, to answer your question, the customers will tell you the channels and the vehicles that they pay attention to in their buying process. And by the way, even Twitter can manage uh, manage to them if 
they go in and they say, well, what are these people tweeting about? What do they care about? So they wouldn't actually buy from Twitter, but they would see, just like looking at the about section, they want to see who you are. Right. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. One of the other questions I had was, I think it's so helpful for the buying process and how to market to them and and how to continue sales. But do these types of interviews ever cause you or should you go back and, and maybe even rethink the product or the service? Well, yes and no. Um, interestingly, uh, it, it's been kind of an interesting journey because I, I have found that even for the most technical products, the, the developers were pretty close. They, they often start the development process because they themselves have had a problem that they are trying to solve. So for right. a little time, they were a customer. Right. So very often the product is intended, the intention of the product is sound and nine times out of ten, I, I mean, honestly, I haven't, I don't think I've ever gone back and said, you missed the mark so completely, it's not going to work. Right. I, I've always been able to find uh, a way of saying, okay, this is why they developed the product. And if you're in this situation and this is what you're trying to do, this this will solve that problem for you. And And again, the thing that's amazing is that the product often does that without the developers being that aware of how important that thing is. Right, right. It was almost a byproduct. Yeah. Um, but, but something that came about because they, they knew what they mm-hmm. were striving for. They just mm-hmm. didn't recognize the, mm-hmm. the outsider-in perspective. Um, so what, do, what are some common things that you hear that buyer – that buyers want or what, what's a common buying process for, let's say some of that like medium range, um, you know, medium scrutiny range. What does a, a common buying process look like or does it vary a lot industry to industry? Yeah, it varies. It goes back to the, it depends again. Um, obviously if you stick to something like clothing, um, you know, you, 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 it has to be your size. If it doesn't fit, forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the material, you know, what's it made out of? How's it going to act in the washer? If I'm not the kind of person who irons her clothes, I, this better come out of the dryer and I can just put it on mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, lifestyle, you know, the style, the fashion. There's a lot of questions actually with clothing, um, but it is easier than ever to get in the ballpark because of the filtering capacity in, uh, in the shopping sites. You know, they've yeah. gotten better and better at that. And I feel like they've also, you know, when you bring up size, now it's very commonplace to see, okay, this is my size, but also for this particular company, here's the size chart. And if I really want to dive in, I can see exact measurements. And that's something that wasn't necessarily available Mm -hmm. um, not that long ago. So, you know, looking at that, like, because I would look at a size and say, well, my size at this store is very different than my size at that store. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. some mistrust there. So where can you? Well, um, and that's where that's up? where Amazon's been ahead of the game. And I'm, I'm sort of shocked that people don't use Amazon as an example more than they do. I mean, it's out there for anybody to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been they've been doing things for years that some people are just catching up to. It's kind of amazing. Um yeah. But one of the things that they started doing some time ago, as you well know, is adding uh, questions to be answered 
uh, or questions that customers ask of other customers. Right. And what's really sad about that is that very often you will see the most basic questions like, how big is this <laughs> unit? You know, physically, how big is this unit? Because I'm putting it in a cabinet and it can't stick out. I have to be able to close the door. So, right. you know, it's a stereo thing or something. And, you know, you would think that the manufacturer would answer that question, but they haven't. Right. And what's really sad is that you go in and, and the customers answer it for the other customers and the manufacturer still hasn't gone in and said, oh, look, they're all asking. There's 42 people that have asked this question. <laughs> oh, goodness. I guess we better put it on our specs, you know. You would think, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things that has made a big difference. I mean, beyond the reviews even is, right. is okay, I have this specific question this really all boils down to answering the questions that buyers really have, mm-hmm. knowing what the questions are and knowing the answers that will satisfy them or at least being straightforward about it. One of the things that's kind of funny is that the tech guys that I interview for very technical products will tell me they don't even bother going to the website or the homepage or any of that. They go right to the product manual. They may even type, you know, okay. uh, SX-550 um uh, technical manual into Google. <laughs> right? So they go right to that page and that's where they get their questions answered. Yeah. Now we know what's going to happen to me after I buy. How do I install it? How does it hook up? How, what do I have to integrate it with and all of that? Yeah. So. Which speaks to the the consumer in that particular instance. Do you think that that's something that they should be carrying over to their homepage if that's the audience they're going for? Or if people are saying they're not even looking at the homepage anyway. Well, they should make it accessible. That's the thing they don't realize right. is, you know, there should be one of the, the top nav choices should be technical manuals. Right. Of so, course, yeah. you know, if you look at a heat map or something, two months later, after you've put that up, you're going to see this big red area <laughs> where people have gone in and said, oh, cool. So it's yeah. it's surfacing. It's letting those things bubble to the top that people are most looking for. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, something that I was curious about that I feel like, you know, Shivago Partners, uh, you say it's a, a digital marketing management company mm-hmm. um, that of course, seems to encompass a lot of things. We wear a lot of hats. <laughs> There's a lot of <laughs> stuff that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, does your team do a, a lot of different things in that regard? And this is just one piece of it? The buyer map is just one piece of it? Yeah. Uh, the reason I call it digital marketing management is because, and the reason I call it Zhivago Partners is because what I've done is I've built a partnership with my clients. And I know, you know, that's kind of a buyer's or a seller's dream where you quote unquote have a relationship with your customer. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't actually believe that buyers want relationships with anybody. They just want to buy it and make it work and have it work properly. So, you know, as I say in my book, you really don't want the car dealer showing up for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. You just like him to tell you the truth while you're trying to buy a car. You know, it's that simple. But um, but what we've done is is and I've been in this long time. um, I mean, you know, I've been on the bleeding edge of tech and tech marketing. I used to 
to teach classes to engineers about how to market. I used to write a newsletter called Marketing Technology that people paid almost $300 a year to get, things like that. So I've been around this a long time. And and what I've come to is that clients, and I should say, by the way, that for a number of decades, I was a revenue coach. So I actually worked with CEOs and marketing people and managers and so on to just grow the company, however it was best to grow it. And what I've done here is I've built a team of specialists because one of the things that's interesting right now about this digital marketing stuff is that you could spend every single day learning every single thing you could (laughs) about search engine marketing and still not be caught up. Yeah. You really have to. Or it'll change tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. And (laughs) Google changes its algorithm to, you know, two times a day, two to four times a day. They've got 200 yeah. different criteria. It's a big thing. It so is. you really need people who specialize. So I've partnered with people who specialize, who have an incredible work ethic. And so I have different specialists for the different areas. Plus, um, I'm a content person. So I have writers that know the subject matter. You know, there's a lot of people in this um, arena that say, oh, just get a writer. doesn't matter they can change every day. No, you dedicate a right to a client um, because I'm often working very technical things that need deep understanding. And then you also need the customer, my client's perspective on that represented properly in the writing that we do. So I'm basically building a team. um, Plus we've got just, I mean, I'm, I'm really into using applications leveraging the systems. And I've probably tried, I don't know, 35 to 50 different um, project management tools. Mm. And we finally ended up with Teamwork, which has turned out to be an unbelievable program. I can set up areas for all my clients. Um, They can go in and get whatever they need. And between that and Google Drive, we've really been able to create sort of a bing, 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 get it done, bing, 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 get it done uh, yeah. machine that's just uh, amazing makes me smile every day yeah <laughs> that's good <laughs> I uh, I've used teamwork briefly before um, but I will commend you that I know how much work needs to go initially into getting it set up so that it will work well mm. um, you know a lot of these programs aren't going to just do it for you you still have to organize it you still have to have the the information organized in your brain so that it makes sense to you know that person on that team is getting a clear picture um well it's it's even tricky to get it to work right um i one of my my working partners um lapresca is absolutely fantastic at applications and together we we worked and worked and worked and worked on that system until we had that quick scan look at it Mm-hmm. immediately see, you know, back in the stone ages, my husband and I ran a high tech ad agency in Silicon Valley and I placed ads for clients every month. And we ended up with this grid, like a spreadsheet where I could just look at it and the empty squares needed work. I mean, it was right. just immediate. Uh, kind of, he's, he was kind of came from a manufacturing background. So he really helped me see that process as um, as a manufacturing in, endeavor. And that's right. what we've applied here. So even things like, you know, how you set up the job so it's not a group of tasks, it's actually just, <laughs> right. some, just some tags that you apply. And then when you're done with the task, you just get rid of that tag. And so you can look and see which ones are all now in this state, just at a glance. 
Yeah. It's really important to be able to set it up correctly. Yes, for sure. What are a couple of the applications that didn't work out so well? Oh, Kelly, I've tried so many. I mean, <laughs> it sounded like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of the went Basecamp. People love Basecamp. I, mm. I don't. I, it's too. There's too much graphics. I mean, one right. of the things about teamwork is that you can set it up so that it is a scrollable list, and there's not a lot of. And then you can open, you can expand that job. Um, and assign people to it, send them an email, set up the deadlines. And literally, you can do this in seconds. I mean, my ability to set up a a task for somebody, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, you know, I mean, bing, 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 bing. Okay, done. Next, you know, it's fantastic. And they get it, and they're operating off of it. And so it's really important when you're running a virtual company that everybody be able to get those tasks quickly. And then get an email when it's done so I can check it. It, It's just amazing. Um, So there's Basecamp. I'm trying to think of some others that have gone out of my head right now. but (laughs) No, that's fine. People try them and they don't work. I'll flip the question then. Are there any other applications or apps on your phone or resources that you use on a day-to-day basis that really help you be productive? Yeah, yeah. I like live chat. Uh, I think everybody should have chat on their site now, and it needs to be easy to set up and easy to turn on and off. Actually, mm. just as a personal preference, I tend not to like chat boxes that where you leave a message. I mean, the whole idea of chat is somebody's there. Right. Um, so just come in in the morning, turn it on, the, bu- the button goes green, uh, it pops up after 15 seconds or whatever, and I let people know that's me on the site. It says, hi, Krishna Zhivago here, and it's the truth. That's me. Yeah. Um, and I turn it off if I'm in a meeting or, you know, so that's a great app. Um, trying to think of some of the others that we're using right now. It's There's a lot of, there's, oh, there's a lot of apps that we use to analyze people's websites and what's happening with mm-hmm. their websites. Um, the obvious ones, Google Analytics, Google Trends, um, Google Search Console. So Google does everything they can to try to make it easier for you to do a good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you had mentioned as well, Google Drive. Um, I mean, my life is on Google Drive <laughs> at this point. <laughs> you back it, it up? Is, um, so wait, wait, wait. I have to ask you, do you back it up? Physically? No, I or mean, like are you on- doing backup? Because there's a great app called Backupify, okay. which is really good and straightforward and, and does a daily backup or however often you want to do it. So it backs up your Google Drive? Yep. Okay. It's a really I hadn't good thing even to do. really thought about it, yeah. um, thinking that like, oh, well, they're doing well, they are. Backups, and, and yes, but, I know, but. <laughs> but <laughs> it's still all one oh, company. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to look into that considering. Um, but yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, even for, um, you know, we recently brought on a freelancer to edit our podcast. And it's just so nice to have he, you know, him and I have a folder and mm-hmm. um, we can break everything down and, and here are all the pieces. And it's just, we know it's there. There's yep. not emails back and forth. It's just, yeah. it's just, you know, simple. It oh, takes yeah. any, any step that I can take out of my day. Um <laughs> I need it. So yeah. I'm always willing to put in the research and the effort and set things up um, initially if they're going to work really smoothly um, mm-hmm. down the road. Um, 
Is there anything else that you feel like we haven't touched on, um, whether it's from your book, whether it's uh, about the company in general? Um, do you have any good examples or, or favorite stories of you know, <laughs> how you've been able to help someone out? Well, yeah, I was going to bring that up because um, I know you had asked that question earlier. Um, the one of the things that sets us apart from our competition is one we're we're working with the customer our client to make sure that they get what they need however that happens so whether we're doing it or we're training somebody else to do it or helping them find somebody to do it mm-hmm. we're actually if we need to we can work ourselves out of a job for a client if they right. if they really need somebody in house to do something well we'll help them do it in house we're just trying to make the thing work. Right. Um, and one of the things that happens is uh, when you think about questions that people ask when they come on board and or, or what leads them to us, what we're finding out there right now is there's a lot of people who have built a good business. They've been around a while. They're maybe small or mid-sized company. But the latest uh, digital techniques, I mean, everything's gone digital now. And the last two years, I would say marketing has changed more in the last two years because of mobile and Google working together than it did in the previous 20. I mean, it's been massive and radical. And it's very sad because then they go out to people who say, okay, well, your problem is search engine optimization. So that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And and as I just wrote in a recent article, no, it depends on what your customers are doing and how they're buying. And your situation is completely unique, even even against your competition. The people who would be attracted to you are going to be different than the people who are attracted to your competition. So yeah. just doing what your competitors do, although it's getting easier and easier, you can actually see exactly what your competitors are doing with their AdWords, for example, through tools like SpyFu. Um, you can see all of it's all transparent, but is it right for you? Is that what really is attracting them to you and what's what's um, right. unique about your product? And I think so, we get caught up in that a lot, in that we're comparing to try to imitate or we're comparing thinking that our competitor is doing it better than we mm-hmm. are. And that's mm-hmm. not always the truth. No, <laughs> and you can start there. I mean, you can say, oh, look, these ads are really working for them. Let's do something sure. similar. You can sure. do that now. But you are unique and your customers hold the key. They're the ones who have all that knowledge about why they bought, how they bought, what they bought and why, what else they tried and with the state of mind they're in when they come to you. And of mm-hmm. course, the other thing that's really different now is that, um, and I started saying this Oh, golly, years ago, and now everybody's saying it, which is that <laughs> by the time they come to your site, they've, they've, they're about 60 to 80% into their buying process. Right. And so they don't want you to start at the, the beginning of the movie. They want you right. to answer those specific questions that they have. And this is the hardest thing for salespeople. Salespeople are really struggling with this right now. Yeah. And 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 who knows if even salespeople are the right people. Maybe it should be a technical customer support person to answer those questions. This is right. all shifting right now. So the real problem is people have tried a lot of different individual things without ever going to the source of the information that they need, which is their prior customers. And so they're blowing it. 
and they're mm-hmm. really blowing. They're just spending money and it's not working. Yeah. No, I think that's really interesting. And I think you're so right that by the time I, I know, even personally, you know, that by the time I end up on a company's website, I'm, I'm basically ready to add to cart. Or mm-hmm. almost ready <laughs> to add yeah. to cart because no, I've true. I've asked friends or mm-hmm. I've I've looked on um, I've read an article where it was referenced mm-hmm. or um, maybe I even looked at it on Amazon and then I just wanted to double check the website or you know it's just it's different it's really different I mean we saw it when when I bought a car recently that. Mm-hmm. I walked in and I, I knew what I wanted. I didn't have to shop. I was just like, okay, well, here's the yeah. the, the color, money. the model. Yeah, it was just yeah. like, I'm making this easier for you. And the sales guide, their default is to start at the beginning. And yeah. Like, no, no, you're not listening to me. I'm trying yeah. to make this simple for you. Like, just I just yeah. want this. And, um, you know, so so I agree. I think we need to let the consumer drive that and and not try to slow them down and not try to back them up. Um, yeah, they're a barrier to the sale. I mean, it's just answer my question and then take my money. Yeah. OK, that's really where we're at. And yeah. they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing my job. If I don't Do you start know at the beginning, the story of the company. <laughs> well, nope, and I don't care actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah, and, and I agree. There's one one other thing I wanted to touch on. That I think we skimmed over a little bit. That I agree with you wholeheartedly is that we've gone too far in the. Um, direction and companies being told that you need a story, that this needs to be personal, that that you need a relationship. And we've gone way too far in that direction. There's a difference between storytelling and being interesting and people caring. But like, at the end of the day, it's a product or a service. You, there, there's more to it. You're solving a problem or you're helping somebody or you're entertaining or educating or something along those lines. But, you know, it drives me a little bit crazy when I get an, a, a business newsletter that starts with "Hello, friend" or something along <laughs> those lines. Like, no, mm-hmm. no, like mm-hmm. I'm a customer and I'm mm-hmm. okay being your customer. Yeah. Um, no, that started a long time ago with the one-to-one marketing thing, and the minute that book came out, and that was a very good book, and you know the authors did a great job, and but the the whole premise was flawed again. Mm-hmm. The seller wants a relationship because it means more money. It means subscriptions. Mm -hmm. It means, you know, sort of an ongoing relationship. I can count on you coming back. That is such a lie. If you screw up once, they're not coming back. Oh, yeah. So even not answering their questions is screwing up. It is. And I think assuming loyalty, for better or for worse, is – yeah, it's just not there. And if someone's going to undercut you in price and offer the same thing, or someone's going mm-hmm. to offer a better product, or someone's going to offer better customer service, because we're so much more aware of it now. Oh, absolutely. And whether that's changing jobs, or, you know, I, I hear a lot of flack for, you know, kids don't hold down a job anymore. And I'm like, well, if a better opportunity comes along, good on them. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, we're always going to want to want the better opportunity, whether that's a job opportunity or, or buying a, a different product. Um, yeah, there's no such thing as, as consistency anymore in the, any of that. It, you mm-hmm. cannot rely on it 
There's no such thing as somebody just buying from then you can rely on them being there forever. Those days are, I honestly, they never really were there. But now that you can go out and find, I mean, you can just type name of company and then the word problem right. and find out anything you want or scam or whatever and find anything you want about right. them from other customers. So the fact that customers can now talk to each other, hardly anybody ever talks about that, but that is the revolution. That's the thing that changed. You know, you used to have to know somebody and get him on the phone and ask him questions and hope he would open up and tell you maybe he was worried about being politically correct or he didn't want to, you know, implicate the company or something. So they was very careful. Whereas online, especially if you can do it anonymously, (sighs) You can yeah. say anything you want. It's a little shocking that that people haven't misused that even more than they have. But yeah. honestly, the the most people want to help. I mean, you know, I often say that if if the world were as bad as the newspapers say it <laughs> yes. is, we couldn't even drive down the freeway. Exactly. You know, I mean, most people are trying really hard to just keep their nose clean and do the right thing and be honest and you know get through the day and help other people. They'll rush to help other people if they can. Yeah. And and that's what's driven all of this, this, I'm going to help you make a good buying decision. That's why we take time to write reviews. Right. So yeah. that's the revolution. And that's the thing that sellers have not caught up with and don't even begin to realize that that whole train of thought is out there separate, completely separate from their marketing. Yes. And they're just not aware. They're not aware of it. They're not interacting with it. You know, they should be responding and say, oh, I'm so sorry you had that problem. Please contact us. You know, not doing it. Yeah. And I I actually had the experience on Twitter where I asked a brand, uh, asked a company a question. I was having a technical issue. I had tried emailing. I wasn't hearing from them. So I tried tweeting them and they did not respond to me, but their competitor responded to me. (laughs) And it was just such a blatant, like... Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. Like, guys, it it just cracked me up. And I'm like, well, yeah, I I knew the competitor existed. I hadn't Mm -hmm. looked into them previously. But when it came down to it, well, you know what, if you're willing to offer me better customer service, then yeah, maybe I will consider switching. Oh, absolutely. Um, So, you know, it, it does absolutely exist. And I think I think that the other key point there is that once you get a customer, they're not a customer for life, that you do mm-hmm. need to continue um, with the customer service and you do need to continue answering their questions even after they hand over their money. Yeah. And one other thing that got out of hand, if we have a minute to talk about it, sure. is uh, personas. Um, yeah. That was another thing that went completely off the rails. And again, the problem is just because you know who I am, doesn't mean you know what I'm thinking or why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So it's really misleading. And and the biggest problem, we, we end up in these caves where we, we make decisions with no windows, no other outside influence, and we're, you know, talking to ourselves right. about customers. And it's also very insulting. Right. So, you know, I think I'm a marketer now, and I think I know all about you. Right. And if you're and a customer and you walk into that car dealer and the guy goes, oh, I know, I'm looking at your clothing and I can tell you right, right now what you care about is safety. And you're right. like, excuse me, I'm here to ask a question and then if you answer it properly, give you my money. That's why right. I'm here. Right. W- what are you talking about? Well, I right. know all about you. It's very insulting. And- 
It is. And I think, I think to be fair, on a lesser degree, I think there, there's absolute value in target persona and for yourself. So like, if I sit down to write, um, or to try to figure out, you know, who's the brand, who, who are we looking to, um, who are we speaking to in very general terms? I think there is some value in that, you know, yes, understanding which persona. platforms, right, right. So it's me as right. a content creator trying right. to figure out how am I going to spin this a little bit so that it meets who I'm trying to talk to. Um, but I agree with you when it gets so detailed, so specific, so, um, you know, uh, like tarot card reader kind of, you know, psychic, pretending that you're a psychic in this regard. Right. Of course not. We're all. But you can um, be so off the mark. There was a gal yeah. uh, that did a speech once at one of the email or the uh, e-metric summits, um, Dareth Lampkin, I think, who got up and said, Okay, so there were like hundreds of people in the room, and she said, all right, I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to describe to you a customer. So she's a single mom, and she has a couple of kids, and she lives off government assistance. And I just want you to imagine that person. And so we we did, and then she said, okay, open your eyes. And up on the screen was a picture of Princess Di. Hmm. And nobody in that room yep. was thinking about Princess <laughs> Di. Okay, I mean, it was just—it was just <laughs> so amazing. It yeah. was—it it showed you how far off you can be. Now, I agree. And by the way, uh, you know, Google is your other customer now, right? And if right. you're not satisfying Google, you never even get to get in front of your yes. customers. So, but Google's different. Google has its own uh, right. You're to those structure metrics. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we do is we build what we call an SEO persona for mm-hmm. our clients so that the, we say, okay, what are you? What do you do? How does Google rank you? How does Google put you in context with all of the other uh, types of companies that sell similar solutions? Where do you fit? Because Google has right. to figure that out. And if you don't give Google, Google a clue – Right. Google's not going to rank you. And I, by ranking, I don't mean just one to 10. I also mean like when somebody types in this, where do you appear? Do you come up or not? Mm-hmm. So we develop personas that and then, yes, there are the keywords. In other words, part of that persona is what do people use to find you? But that's like the big thing at the bottom of this. Up at the top, we've got the company name. We have the three things that you're really good for. You're sort of your elevator pitch. We have associations you're part of and what people can do on your site and all that. Um, my, I had a digital marketing company with um, a friend of mine who's, who was my partner for a couple of years before I started Chivago Partners. And uh, he's the one who actually came up with this idea. I ended up calling it SEO persona. It's different now. But Basically, you have to give Google a clue yeah. as to who you are so that they can rank you properly, which is different than the customer's buying process, but it supports the customer's buying process. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it and an important distinction to make that um, that writing content and creating content, whether it's, whether it's articles, whether it's, uh, social media or, you know, just your, your core copy for the website, that it's different, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that there's a, that there is a Google version, um, and that there's a more user-friendly audience facing version as well. Well, it's both. You just give Google the structure it needs and it's fine, but you still have to write to people. 
Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly. what I mean. I feel like those, yeah. there's two different um, pieces to that, that that you need to be considering both of those and yep. figuring out what each of those need to look like, and yep. then you can piece them together. Yep. Well, I feel like we covered a lot. Um, how can people find you? Um, just type Kristen Zhivago into Google. Um, you'll find me. My site is Zhivago Partners. And my book is Roadmap to Revenue, How to Sell the Way Your Customers Want to Buy, um, which is on Amazon. If you just type in Roadmap to Revenue, you'll find it. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that we include all of those links in the show notes as well on pushpullsales.com. Um, Kristen, thank you for coming on the podcast today. My I pleasure. enjoyed chatting with you. And Same here. I, I have notes and homework for myself after our <laughs> conversation. So that's always a sign of a good interview. Good. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you.